This is the Info Warrior with Jason Burmis. We got a jam-packed show for you. We have Alan Watt in the first hour. We'll be going to him after the first break, and then we're going to be doing a news blitz and taking your calls in the final hours. I do want to go over some of the things that we are going to be talking about later in the show. Uh, mainly, uh, Section 1710 of HR 1388, the Give Act. Uh, something that a lot of people aren't talking about. The study to evaluate the effectiveness of a centralized electronic citizen. Uh, verification system, and uh, they say this study is going to be done by, quote-unquote, the Corporation for National and Community Service and uh, the Department of Education. Uh, they say that it's going to be funded from 2010 to 2014, so no worry there. Uh, they're going to be going uh, before Congress no later than 18 months after this act is officially put into place. It has nothing to do with their little... Uh, you know, volunteer Stasi force they're putting to, together and everything to do with a uh, cashless society control grid. I mean, you think the real ID is bad and, uh, you know, the national ID card, this is for your kids. You know, all throughout this bill, it's for people who are in uh, middle school and high school, and it's no different with this uh, study of a centralized electronic citizen verification system. We're also going to be talking about how uh, China put the kibosh on YouTube today, no more YouTube in China. And, you know, on uh, Alex's show, when I hosted, uh, I think it was in May or June, we had Benjamin Fulford on. And uh, what talk about an apologist for China. I mean, he's telling me China's not that bad, China's this and that, and China's coming up, and we all know China held the Olympics there. But then he makes the case, oh, what's so bad about a one-world government? Well, what do you think is so bad about a one-world government when they're in cahoots with China? I mean... To take away YouTube is such a hit on free humanity in general. I mean, that that literally censors just an unbelievable amount of speech right there. But should we should we really uh, be shocked? I mean, we have our Supreme Court ruling whether or not the uh, new Hillary movie is going to be constitutional or not. And whether, uh, I believe it was uh, writing and publishing that writing, this is what Scalia said, was covered by the Constitution. Of course it's covered by the Constitution. It's, const it's a constitutional right. First Amendment. Freedom of speech. Any kind of speech. Whether it's written down or not. I mean, when I read that, it blew my mind. We're also going to be talking about this uh, pamphlet, there, or multiple pamphlets they're handing out. This is a story off of Infowars.com uh, and Infowars.net, where the U.K. is trying to create even more of a tattletale society, saying, oh, if you see any suspicious bags, we need you to report them, and don't stare at the cameras. If you stare at the cameras, you're automatically a terrorist. Um, it's uh, London police encourage citizens to report contents of each other's bins to prevent terrorism. And there's a bunch of visual aids here. It's, it's pretty intense. I mean, uh, terrorists won't succeed if someone reports suspicious activity. Terrorism, if you suspect it, report it. And, I mean, they're showing cell phones, bags, vans, small camcorders, uh, a flat screen for a computer. It is just out of control. So that's up at InfoWars and Prison Planet right now. 
Also want to talk about vaccine scare in Ukraine threatens health. Now, of course, uh, this is off MSNBC, so they're spinning it, saying, well, a lot of people in the Ukraine don't want to take these Western vaccinations because they think that there's they're going to give them AIDS or they're going to uh, sterilize them. Hello, we just had a death, and then uh, I think it was 27 kids go to the hospital from your rubella vaccinations, and they mentioned the rubella vaccination. But the main theme of the article is, The people in the Ukraine are bad because they're not getting vaccinated and they're putting us all at risk. No, the people in uh, the Ukraine are waking up to the fact that they're being poisoned through vaccination, so they're saying no. And that's what we should be doing. Alan Watt on the other side. It's the InfoWarrior with Jason Burmis. PrisonPlanet.tv, InfoWars.com. And we are now joined by Alan Watt. I was actually introduced uh, to Mr. Watt's material back in December of 2007 uh, while I was out in California. We were out in Naples, and I was with this gentleman who was helping us with an event. And he started playing the Cutting Through the Matrix uh, podcast for me. And I said, wow, this guy's really smart. He's very insightful. He's well-spoken. Thank you for joining us, uh, Mr. Watt. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Now, you know, I've always wondered, I've read your bio, but how does somebody like yourself get into this information and then not only get into it, but then start doing a radio show, speaking about it? It says here, you know, you're an accomplished author and lecturer and all that, but where where does it start for you? At birth, really. Really? Uh, I generally tell people I, I had a, a form of autism, which allowed me to see the world as it really was. <laughs> <laughs> so even in your musical career, uh, you know, before you started doing this full time, you were pretty awake. Absolutely, uh, absolutely awake, and I also travelled a lot too, uh, and I noticed that every country was passing the same laws across Europe at the same time, always, mm-hmm. and I realised there already was a European Union uh, back in the 70s, and I realised as well where it was all heading, and I talked to some politicians, because when in the music industry often uh, you will be approached uh, and invited into homes of politicians and people who are big decision makers and you get chatting to them and some not all of it registers at the time like sometimes it's two years down the road and it clicks as to what they actually said to you but I, I was in a, a Norwegian's home in the 70s and she went on to work at the United Nations at that time she worked for the parliament there and she talked about a united Europe and the fact that, that uh, Scandinavian countries would be part of it including Norway uh, so I, I heard all this stuff from the right people uh, generally at the dinner table, yeah. 
Yeah, so you start hearing this stuff. You see that there's this kind of a globalist agenda. You see that they're trying to put the European Union into place. They eventually do that. When is it that you take the leap into doing this full-time? When, when do you say, because I see that you wrote a lot of books under pseudonyms. Did you, did you try to do that you know, throughout your career, put out these ideas? Or was there really just one incident, one spot where you said, you know what, I've got to devote myself to this. I've got to dedicate more time to this. Yeah, I mean, the previous... Works I'd done had to do mainly with uh, history and ancient history, religions, techniques of controlling people in the past. And uh, before 9/11, I realized what was coming up. I was, wa- I was reading the authors, the big players' books, the ones put out by Kissingers and, and the Brzezinski's, and going all the way back uh, through uh, Huxley's, the different Huxley's, H.G. Wells, all the big boys looking at the common threads that they all had and the associations to which they belonged to. And that led me right into, of course, to the Royal Institute of International Affairs that really was set up to, to um, go around any idea of democracy, to bring in a global government system. And it was back into the late 1800s, in fact, uh, before it was called that name, it was called uh, the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, and it had another mm-hmm. name before that as well. So they were already working. Uh, they'd, they'd never intended, uh, especially in Britain, that was to be the nucleus of a free trade uh, world system. Uh, in Britain, they never intended to give the public real democracy. It would always be guided by an elite uh, called the crown under the crown, a strange, odd democracy where you've got a monarchy on top of it. Um, and in Britain, they call them the establishment. And everyone, everyone in Britain knows it exists and it bypasses parliaments and so on. But I realized that they'd, they'd almost uh, achieved their goal. And then, of course, um, I, I saw the events leading up to 9-11-2001. I knew something was going to happen in 2001 because the big boys had pretty well predicted that was the, really the start of the next century was 2001, not the year 2000. And, and they said it was going to be a century of change. The big foundations had published many articles on what they wanted to accomplish in a hundred years in the 21st century, and we're well on the road to it now, well on the road. So I had to come out and say it as it is, even though I knew, and this was a big problem I had, I knew the psychological warfare that my generation and previous generations had been born into and, and gone under and gone through, and I didn't know uh, I, was, I was very skeptical, in fact, if the public uh, uh, really could wake up in time to realize what was being done to them, uh, because they truly have had incredible warfare put upon them by inoculations, and I don't trust them at all, inoculations. I've gone through some of the people who worked on methods of lobotomizing the general public, and they published it in their own books. They worked for big organizations, including the United Nations, um, we've had our food completely altered. Uh, Canadians were the, the guinea pigs for the GMO food without our consent, without our knowledge, for 10 years, while the governments, with their health organization, the socialized medicine, could study every single one of us and watch for effects. So we've been under warfare before we were born, right through to the present time. And you can see it in the public. The IQ officially, officially has dropped. Now, you're born with an IQ. It's innate within you. And yet they've lowered the same test to a new normal, which is much lower, because they know what they've done to us. We, we are, 
we're in, under a real war, and there's no way to emphasize it enough to the public who mainly can't tell fact from fiction anymore. It's so intertwined. And they've also been trained, as Bertrand Russell advocated at the world meetings, they've trained the public to be hedonistic, narcissistic, self-centered, so to, to break the bonds of family especially. And in that way, you're, not, you're a perpetual child. With the depression of economy, etc., coming in in a big way, you go into the next Bertrand Russell uh, suggestion, which was the creation of apathy. Children, perpetual children, adult children, can easily be put into a state of apathy and controlled right along the agenda to the final outcome with ease on, on behalf of those in control. This has all been written about in, in books, dusty books, used in some universities still today, but ignored and unknown of by the general public. Well, this does seem to be what's going on. I mean, you look at the lobotomized public, and what they're interested more than anything are their sports teams or their iPhone apps or, you know, the, the coolest gadget or the latest car, even yeah. in a time when many people are just losing their homes, um, you know, losing their jobs. I mean, IBM's about to lay off another 5,000 people, and the yep. bankers are openly announcing that they're just going to print as much money as they want mm -hmm. and uh, do what they want with it. I mean, they're going to be buying up treasury bonds at the rate of $1.4 trillion and then maybe pump another trillion into that. The new packages that they just announced in the last couple of days call for, I think, uh, $3.7 trillion more publicly. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have Obama getting up before this press conference. And the thing is, this, you know, we, the last eight years, the U.S. was used to a leader that stammered, stuttered, was not well-spoken, didn't address people in really a proper manner, wouldn't look them in the eye, was very short and curt. It was very easy to attack this guy. Obama's a lot slicker. I mean, he got asked about the Chinese global currency because we know that China is now saying, you know what, we need a global currency. The IMF is saying they want to print a global super currency for quantitative easing. And he gets asked about that. He dodges the entire question. Finally, the reporter at the end of it asks again, well, what about this global currency? And Obama looks down and he says, I don't think there's a need for a uh, global currency. Meanwhile, he's gearing up to go to the G20. And before the G20, he's meeting with the queen in private. And as you alluded to before, you know, this royalty is really still in power. It amazes me that most people believe that Bill Gates is the richest man in the world. Meanwhile, yeah. you have royals that are still protected by all sorts of MI5, Secret Service. I mean, it, it boggles my mind that people can't get around the fact that that is the true wealth. I mean, these, these people have been wealthy for centuries. Centuries, uh, and never mind the gifts have been given from other kings and queens over the centuries, that, that in itself but they are untouchable as well. And they know they're untouchable. People in Britain understand that, that there's a different system above the parliament they're given, uh, way high above it. And uh, believe you me, um, every civil servant, every bureaucrat, every politician, even your policeman swears allegiance to the crown, not to the people of Britain or its parliament, but to the crown, to royalty. And that's the same across the whole of, of the, the British Commonwealth countries, including Canada. Well, most people here just aren't aware of that. They don't understand that the Rothschilds have a sovereign nation in the middle of London. I mean, they, they don't understand these kind of things, and especially here where the royal family is kind of looked upon goofily. They don't think that they have any power whatsoever. People yeah. are just not awake at all. I mean, all right, I think that the top three guys that they said were rich were uh, Bill Gates, and then it was Warren Buffett, and there's no doubt that Warren Buffett is a player out there, but he's definitely not, you know, top round. No. And, and then uh, I believe it was the King of Spain, who 
is royalty, probably does have some wealth there, but most of it hidden in foundations, such as the British royal family. I mean, that, that is their specialty, just like the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. They like to hide their funds in these institutions they create. Uh, a great example is, you know, these guys are major globalists. They had a push after the First World War for a League of Nations. When that failed, they created the Council on Foreign Relations, which is still going on today. And, in fact, Tim Geithner was forced to talk about the Chinese global currency and said he was open to it, but ultimately we would keep the dollar as a world currency. But I think that that tune is really going to change once this G20 happens and Obama visits it. I think he's he's uh, scheduled to go there on April 2nd. So I, I expect some kind of announcement within the first week of April that there will be some sort of a global currency. Well, it's in today's paper, too, by the head of the IMF. It's official. We'll have it out in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty crazy. We'll be back with Alan Watt after this. It's the Info Warrior with Jason Burmis. Go get the podcast at theinfowarrior.com or check out the video at prisonplanet.tv. Cutting through the matrix.com. Alan, I want to get your take on uh, China banning YouTube officially today, taking it off the internet for Chinese citizens. You know, in the past year, we've really seen a push for China to come into the global arena. I mean, we had them host the Olympics. We seem to be adopting more of their policy. Uh, you know, we borrowed trillions and trillions of dollars from them. And now this this super state, this super nation, has officially banned YouTube. I mean, this is, I think, the third biggest site on the Internet. Can you speak to that? Yes. Uh, China, according to the United Nations, is the model state for the world. In other words, we've all to copy the system of China, ultimately because they want a collectivist system. And the big think tank of the Club of Rome said that in their own book, uh, the first global revolution is that collectivism was the best way of managing a world population. So they've based it on China, where you have a one-party system, a totalitarian party. To get into commerce in China, you must join the party and become a member, a card-carrying member, and attend the local meetings or your city meetings. And uh, China, um, if you notice, uh, they might have banned that. However, we also have laws getting enacted right now. Uh, Australia was the first one to, to, to come out with it, where if you go into what's claimed are banned sites, and they won't give you a list of what sites are banned yet, mm -hmm. they will start fining you $11,000 per day. So we in the West will start losing our rights and freedoms as well to the Internet altogether, except for data tracking and, and gossip and so on, and emails for the governments as they start to take away uh, Google here and all the other uh, sites that we look into. We have to emulate China, so I'm not surprised at all about this. Um, 
we've, we've had, uh, I think it was Jay Rockefeller recently talked about the, how dangerous the internet was, and he actually said, would it be better if, if we'd never given it to the people in the first place? Yeah, that is true, and uh, one of the sites that Australia has officially banned and put on the list is WikiLeaks, and this is a site that notori notoriously puts out government documents that, you know, the mainstream media really just refuses to talk about, and you know, speaking of documents the mainstream media really refuses to talk about, or at least talk about in substance, this Give Act, you know, it is anything but giving. It's really taking. It is compulsory service for 12-year-olds and up, middle school and up, uh, 50 hours to start, 100 hours for college students. Uh, once you're out of high school, you'll be forced into some kind of a secondary school or some kind of another bureaucratic program. But they also tacked on this centralized electronic citizen verification system. And, you know, in the past, they've tried to pass the Real ID Act. Uh, they've put chips in our passports. They've done everything in their power to really put a stranglehold on the people here. But this, this to me, is the most uh, wide-reaching one in the fact that this is a uh, citizen verification system for everyone, including students, and they're going to be using the Department of Education to test this and then implement it. Yes, in a sense, too. And this would be the public don't realize that what you're living through and your entire life, in fact, is a continuation of a system as it upgrades itself to the next part and the next part. We saw them pass the bills for school to work. That was part of it. That was based on the Chinese or the Soviet system, both, actually. So they'll train you. They want to train you for a particular job. And if they want you to be a joiner, a plumber, a carpenter, whatever, then that's all you'll be taught eventually. Ultimately, down the road, that's all you'll be taught. If they want you for, to be a good party uh, bureau uh, chief or whatever, they'll train you for that, or, or the new type of uh, worldwide KGB, you'll be trained for that. So you're quite right. Um, it's more than just what they say. But mainly, mainly, here's what it is. It's a record of each individual and the potential for being a problem down the road. In other words, they're looking for thinkers. And, and you'll notice a big part of this budget, this so-called compulsory volunteerism, is going towards education. You're looking at political ideology indoctrination. That's what it's going to be. So we're, we're really under tyranny right now. And if you get one generation who've, been, who've grown up with the scientific indoctrination, it's game over. You can't talk to them. You can't reason with them. They'll be pulling the older people out of the houses off, of, off for the disposal unit, basically, because they ruined the planet for them, etc. This is political ideology, and we've got to understand that. And speaking of ruining the planet, I really want to get into their global carbon tax system that's being proposed right now, not only in legislation by the U.N., but by the United States. I mean, we've got Tennessee talking about buying uh, carbon credits in anticipation of this being passed. That, and we're going to take your calls for Alan Watts, 866-582-9933. Call in, ask Alan a question. We'll be back after this. It's the Info Warrior with Jason Burmis, PrisonPlanet.tv, InfoWars.com. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
It's the Info Warrior with Jason Burmis. We have Alan Watt of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com on the line. If you'd like to ask him a question, it is 866-582-9933. Alan, I want to get into this carbon tax thing because this is the next step of control. We're all going to be made to feel guilty about the earth and climate change and we're to blame. And it's this new... Uh, control grid. The, instead of paying taxes on other things, they want you to pay taxes on the environment. In other words, how many cars you have, how big is your home, how much trash are you producing, how many children do you have, which they do want to regulate. Just look at China. One child policy is there for decades now. And uh, this, this article is out of Reuters today. Uh, idled U.S. farmland may be a large carbon sink, uh, USDA. So the U.S. is basically saying they need, the, the Department of Agriculture is saying we need to buy up all this farmland. And they're saying it's 33.7 million acres and federalize it because it's emitting too much carbon. Ooh. Why don't you explain this system to people? Well, again, apart from being a, a complete con, you see, right now they're putting laws through and an ideology to convince people they're a burden on the planet itself and the ecosystem. So you, you would get born into a system of guilt for being alive in the first place. That's really the, at the crux of this. This is how it will, why it will work, in fact. And uh, it will interfere. It will control every single part of your existence, even right down to if you can breed, if you should breed, uh, and, and the cost of it, and so on and so on. It's a complete farce utter farce really and it's abstract nonsense it's Wizard of Oz stuff and um, and they're well aware of it at the top now the Club of Rome again is the premier think tank for for working out systems to control the population of the planet it comes up with ideas and then it passes it down to other think tanks that work on it and implement it into society they pass their ideas on to the Rand Corporation for instance and they put in their own book the first global revolution that in the 1970s they had looked for a, a, something to unite the planet, a common enemy. And they looked at even alien invasion, at what would work with the public, were they gullible enough, etc. Then they said no. Eventually they hit on the idea of man being at war with the planet and, and vice versa. Therefore man would be the enemy. It's, in their own words they said that would fit the bill. That, that is just incredible. Bill. And, uh, you know, you, the other uh, project you were talking about is Project Bluebeam, where they said, you know, we would stage this alien invasion or possibly put holograms in the sky of religious yep. figures and, you know, cull the populations into, you know, believing that we needed a one-world order or a world government to combat this sort of thing. Yep. And it seems like they, instead of conquest, they wanted to go through uh, consent. And they will get consent through incrementally telling the people that global warming is real, um, you know, your SUV is terrible. I saw a report out of the Telegraph about three weeks ago where they were saying that uh, United States' use of toilet paper was actually worse than uh, gas-guzzling SUVs. In other words, I'm not even supposed to wipe my behind That's when right. I go to the bathroom. I mean, this is just insanity. It's an, it is an insanity, but they can make any crazy system work if they can convince enough people, especially the young, bring them up in doc, with indoctrination. They can make you believe anything. And, and they've said that in their own books, by the way. They can make the general public eventually believe anything with the proper indoctrination. Bertrand Russell said, there is no nonsense so arrant that it cannot be made the general creed, meaning belief, of the vast majority by adequate government uh, action. That's what he said at one of the world meetings and in one of his own books. And they can you know, really, really do it. They can make you believe in it. They could make you believe that it's your fault that, that the sky goes dark at night if they wanted you know, to. I was watching um, 
uh, a DVD out there uh, that featured Edward Bernays, and Bernays telling a story about how he got the other half of the population, women, to smoke, and how they staged this. And you know they had all these women go out with cigarettes and made it the cool it was also thing to societal do. Societal yes. women, they were well known, uh, uh, top societal ladies that the rest would emulate. And he understood the psychology of that. That the masses follow uh, those with the pers- in the personality cult like Hollywood, and so he was well aware of what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. They get this group of women to start smoking out in public. They stage a news story, and then really it just starts to pick up, and all of a sudden women are smoking. I yes. mean, it, it's, it's it's really unbelievable. And there's a guy out there. I don't know if you've ever seen his stuff. Uh, he uses a lot of NLP in his programs, uh, Darren Brown. And he really does show visually how fragile the human mind is and how suggestible it is and, you know, what yes. you're able to do to people within moments if you know how to talk to them and speak to them and make hand motions and really just misdirect them. Yes, what it is is very simple. I mean, Brown showed it with uh, just paper cuts, cutouts for money, and he goes into a shop, mm-hmm. he pays the guy off with these blank white papers because your mind is in, in a, a sort of double whammy. It knows what it expects to see. He expects to see you cutting up banknotes. And his mind wants to perceive that as banknotes. Part of his mind says is blank. And so rather than go with his own perceptions, he will take his own conditioning and go with that. That's as simple as that. That's why it works. Yeah, it is incredible. And in another example, he's at a dog track with losing tickets, and he literally walks up with the losing tickets, hammers on the... uh, on the little section, talks to the person, tells them it's a winning ticket, and they get paid out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's that, amazing. That's how Rothschild took over the Bank of England, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something similar, yes. All right, we're loaded with callers for you, Alan. Let's go to Jake in Minnesota. Jake, what's on your mind? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Thanks a lot, Alan. I, I really like your perspective on this. Um, and, you know, we're going through all this information. I think everybody's kind of, like, trying to figure out what this uh, – the end game or whatever to the whole thing is and you know you know it's obvious that it's pretty being planned out you know through their system so like what is you know going with einstein's words oh you can't solve a problem using the same thinking used to to cause the problem you know what thinking do we start using to go past it is just going straight pro-constitution you know something and i know it has to be something positive you can't try and just break down their little things but you know, what do we go forward with from here, do you think, Alan? Well, I, I don't see, uh, to be honest with you, um, I, I do not see protests doing anything except helping those at the top because mm-hmm. the top protesters are, are NGOs paid for by the big foundations, owned by the bankers themselves. So the very things they're protesting uh, are the answers that the, that the bankers want the public to believe and accept unfortunately. Um, the system has got to understand it's been ruled for such a long, long time by the Council on Foreign Relations as, as the managing group for this, mainly in America and other countries. Uh, and they are just the American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain. And every Commonwealth country across the planet has one. India has one. Pakistan has a CFR. Um, we've never had democracy or a republic. Actually, the republic was stolen a long time ago. And Carl Quigley, who was the historian, remember, for the CFR, said in the 1960s in his own book, Tragedy and Hope, that the group, the CFR, had hijacked America uh, 60 years before that. That's how far back 
they've been in control. The bankers with their managerial group, the CFR beneath them, running the system, they're not going to give up their plans um, um, because of persuasion. It will not happen. All right, Jacob, thank you for the call. It's going to come to to a terrible situation. They'll either win and get what they want, or there'll be a hell of a mess in the streets. That's what I see coming down. All right, let's go to Tim in Oklahoma. Tim, what's on your mind? Yes, Jason. Mm -hmm. This is Tim from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma area. I'm an attorney. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am very glad you took my call today. I've been trying to get hold of uh, Alex or yourself for a couple weeks. I've uh, done a little research, mm-hmm. and it seems to me like Oklahoma has a state constitutional provision that uh, prohibits the federalization of any state employee. I've checked uh, the Texas Constitution. It seems to be uh, pretty much equal to the Oklahoma state constitution, and Missouri as well has mm-hmm. a similar constitution. Well, I would just say this, though. The only problem is that the feds aren't going to recognize that. It's just like, you know, uh, marijuana being decriminalized in California and them saying that the feds can't come in and bust them. The feds do it anyway. And they just say, oh, we don't care. You know, we're the federal government. We're going to do it anyway. I mean, uh, there's a movie out there called Super Jaime that really documents this fact. I mean, you can have all the statewide legislation you want, and I agree that it's a good thing to have these sorts of things, and I think that the sovereignty movement is a good movement. You know, it, it shows that the people are not happy with what's going on. But I'll guarantee that the federal government is not going to go by those uh, rules and regulations. Wouldn't you agree, uh, Alan? Absolutely. Absolutely. In in the CFR, and you can always count on the CFR's own publications, um, uh, they said years ago uh, that they would simply do an end run around the Constitution uh, to get what they wanted, and they've been doing that ever since. But what they're also using is, is this is their excuse too, they're using what they call common law. Now, common law, according to them and their definition, is what the public eventually accept uh, over a period of time and then becomes law. In other words, we acquiesce to our own imprisonment with every law that's passed and we say nothing. Therefore, it becomes, it goes into the legal system then as, as, as legal law. Well, I, would agree, I would agree even though, with you, gentlemen, we know but what I, would, I would add this, that uh, under the state laws, the federal government cannot prohibit a, st- a state district court judge from convening a, uh, a grand jury uh, or from the people petitioning for a grand jury and uh, for obtaining state law indictments and for the state of Oklahoma or other states such as Oklahoma who have criminal statutes or in Oklahoma, you can find that under Title 21, Section 12. Tim, all I'm saying is, uh, is look and, at the track and, and, well, the record. Well, just look at the, the, look at the track record the, the, of the, the federal, federal government, government for the state. prohibit a, a, a state law prosecution. Not legally, but this is a criminal government, and I thank you for the call. You look at the track record when the feds go up against the state government, and the fed comes out winning 95 to 99 percent of the time, and that's just the way it is. That's reality. I mean, I'm glad we put these state provisions in. I'm glad there's still state rights. I'm glad that we can make our own laws. I mean, that's what our uh, Congress is supposed to be there. There are, you know, we're their constituents. They're supposed to be our servants. It's anything but that right now. But at the same time, uh, the feds do what they want. They they rarely cow down to local government, and I just don't see it happening. All right, let's jump to the next caller. Let's go to uh, Mark in Oregon. Mark, what's on your mind? Hey, good evening, uh, Jason and Alan. You know, 
Uh, Jason, you mentioned something at the beginning of the show got my curiosity up, so if you don't mind in passing to my main reason for calling, my question for calling, I'd like to ask Alan uh, exactly what type of music he was into <clears throat> professionally. Was it classical or rock and roll or country and folk? Um, I know the English do them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it all, in fact. And uh, sometimes I was asked to get groups together uh, for uh, live uh, stage musicals. Uh-huh. And I'd play with them for a while, and then I'd go off and do my own thing solo, um, uh, either a sort of folk type or or, or classical in theatres across the world. And did you what? play various instruments, or did you specialize mainly in one instrument, Alan? I, I played a few instruments. Yes, well, I, think I, I really do like the the guitar as uh-huh. well. Yeah. What well, was the most you. enjoyable act and gig that you ever did, Alan? Uh, playing with Chicago and uh, Eagles and uh, some other ones. I, at the time I came up from Britain, I filled in, and tours, I'd get calls to, if I could just stand in for someone that was sick or whoever, guitarist, mainly. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's uh, great. That's great. Them, and I, I didn't even know who they were at the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but that's fantastic. You, you played electric and acoustical professionally, obviously. Yes. Fantastic. Well, Alan, I wanted to ask you, in light of uh, what Alex went over on his show earlier today, and the first part of it as well, is toward the end of the show with a gentleman named Shepard, and I'm missing his last name right now, but uh, he was basically a formal guest on the show, and he and a few friends have actually uh, posted video on Infowars.com of these very large, roughly uh, 800 by 1,000 feet and 8 to 10 feet deep with uh, uh, rocks, in the bottom of them uh, for drainage uh, being built right next to um, Department of Veteran Affairs cemeteries in this country. Um, you know, nobody, including Alex, has really come out and said what these might exactly be for yet. I don't think Alex likes to jump to conclusions on things which could scare people unnecessarily, but I didn't know if you had heard about this development, Alan. I, uh, they have been, uh, there has been publicity about the blue coffin liners being stockpiled around Chicago and maybe a few other places in recent months, but this is the first that's come out that I've heard, and I listen pretty closely, listening to Alex and Jason and such as this, mm-hmm. um, uh, of actual mass graves, what are apparently, obviously, what else could they be, mass graves being dug here. Um, do you... Uh, have any view on this at this point? Does this fit in with any other uh, well, part I, I of... Well, I tell you, I don't know about this story in particular for, for the U.S., but I do. I have gone over the British ones mm. uh, for supposed plagues and pandemics and, and gone through it pretty meticulously, and they do talk about creating mass graves and how they'd have to really uh, build them, some of them in advance, and uh, and fill them up quickly, etc., etc., how many they'll hold, all of that kind of stuff and where they would be, in fact, away from drainage facilities and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, these things have been discussed, I know, in other countries across Europe, so I don't see, see why they haven't started the same thing in, in the U.S. Yeah, all right, Mark, I thank you for the call, my friend. We've got to jump to the next caller. Let's go to uh, Daria in California. Daria, what's on your mind? Uh, Jason. Yes. Hey, uh, hey, thank you for your show, and thank you for uh, having Alan Watt on. Uh, thank just you. Real quick, uh, just real quick, I want to... Um, what I mentioned that for those who want to go to whole other level of understanding this whole New World Order agenda, Alan Watt is the source, and he has hundreds of hours of lectures for free, and his books are invaluable, and uh, people should really try to support him because he has no sponsors. And I just want to make a quick comment 
and I even hate to mention this, but you know you had Jim Mars on your uh, Monday show, mm-hmm. and there was a caller asking Jim Mars, like, you know, what's up with the whole reptilian thing, and yeah. uh, and uh, Jim Mars, and you responded with basically something like. Uh, you know, no one's perfect, and why not hypothesize that? Well, that's what Jim said. Jim said that he wouldn't put it past him. Oh, right, but, you know, to, to be really honest about it, the whole reptilian thing is basically entertainment at best and a psyop, I think, at worst. And well, I, I don't disagree. I, I don't think that I've ever given it any kind of credence. The caller called in about it. I've made my thing clear. I think that, you know, in order for you to talk about reptilian shapeshifters from the fourth dimension, the Anunnaki, I think you need a video of somebody shapeshifting into a reptile, and you need a specimen. I mean, for me to even go that far, I always tell people, listen, check out everybody's information, all of it, but take all of it with a grain of salt and try to do your own independent research for verification. Um, right, and you know what I just want to say is that when when you mix hard, cold facts that can be documented, which Jim Mars does write about, and which are so important to educate people with, so they begin to question their zombified reality. When you mix that with, you know, by even mentioning the reptilian thing, what it does is completely discredit. Well, we got to go to. I, I agree with you. We've got to uh, go to break. I'll come back to that point afterwards. Final segment with Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. speak to that point one more time you know at one end i absolutely agree with her that's not something we usually talk about on the show um you know reptilians or you know all this this outward just crazy stuff i mean there's a certain point where some people just want to believe anything and they'll just take it to the next level no no matter how real the information is but on another point this is an open show we have no screeners so we take all calls so when a caller calls in and asks jim mars about something he wrote about wrote in a book you know, over a decade ago, and whether he still believes it, I can't help it but take that call. You know, I take all callers, and whether they be, you know, nuts or racist or just misguided or ignorant or dead on. So, you know, that's what makes this show great. Alan, would you speak to that? I mean, there are so many things in this quote-unquote patriot movement out there that are just utter nonsensory. Well, every movement that's ever uh, wisened up to what's going on in the world has had uh, down the road they've had leaders supplied to them and the old technique uh, Lawrence of Arabia wrote about this by the way he was uh, set up by Cambridge and then went to the, the British Secret Service uh, to really uh, misguide the Arab countries by get, getting newspapers up and running and all the rest of it but they, they always mix fact with fiction if they can mix, mix enough incredible fiction with the fact it, it, it truly does discredit the truth, and that's called uh, counterintelligence. So I'm not surprised. You know, certain people have been put out there 
that have been well financed from the beginning, that have been launched by major uh, national television companies. That doesn't happen if you're a nobody. Uh, that happens because it's meant to happen. And unfortunately, lots of people follow this stuff. Then they try to explain the, the conspiracy. And as soon as you mention aliens or, or reptiles walking around eating people and drinking blood, they'll just laugh at you. <laughs> so you get lumped, you get lumped in with your facts into the alien crowd. Is, is, is incredible. Yeah, exactly. It's just like you know uh, when we put out loose change and we got a lot of press for that. You'd see articles all the time. Oh, you know, Jew yeah. drinking reptiles and yeah. anti-Semitic stuff and all this garbage. Meanwhile, I'm trying to expose the people that did this, the real, you know, the real names, the real people, the real organizations that have ties to this whether yeah. it be you know the uh, continuity of government program the shadow government the israeli mossad the pakistani isi british intelligence you know real players in this and then trying to expose even the higher level above that the people that control the federal reserve the people yeah. like the rothschilds that have their own estates in the middle of uh, london that are sovereign nations folks sovereign nations all right let's take one last call for you alan i want to thank you for joining us because you are a great guest and i really do enjoy what you do as well let's go to Ed in Florida. Ed, final call for Ellen Watt. Oh, nice. I squeezed in the last one, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, first off, uh, Jason, thanks for all you do. Thank you. Your movies, everything, top-notch, most respect to you. Now, for Alan, um, I know a few months ago I caught him on a show with, with uh, Alex. Mm-hmm. He made a comment about that a lot of the people that have been woke up had, had something to do with allergies. I wanted to oh, know yeah. if you could comment on that because I missed it and I tried to catch it the next day and I missed it again and I've been boggling my mind forever. All right, go ahead, Alan. you got about 90 seconds. Yeah, very quickly. Um, Arthur Kostler wrote about we used to lobotomize the brain physically. He worked for MI6. It's now declassified. He worked for the United Nations on that project using chemicals and inoculations and so on. The stuff is meant to target the brain and certain people because of your genetic makeup that will go to other parts of the body. You end up with massive allergies but your brain is intact. It's that simple. All right. Thank you so much, Alan Watt. It's CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. We'll be back after this. It's the InfoWarrior with Jason Burmis, PrisonPlanet.tv, InfoWars.com. Once again.